interrupt our program to bring you this important message. This episode is sponsored by Audio Asylum. Audio for post-production. Welcome to Simply Audio Podcast Episode 4 and today we are interviewing Tom, Tom or Thomas, right? Tom, 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 Tom. Is easy, cool. You know? And uh, my co-host, as always, Joachim Odia. That's me. Yes, welcome, welcome, thank you. Right, so Tom, I've got one question for you, cool. the very first question, and that is your dreads. Yeah. Yeah, how did you start <laughs> out with that? Um... Yes, I left school and I figured I'm not cutting my hair for 10 years and I haven't cut my hair for 10 <laughs> years. It's like just, I've got some patience, you know, I'm a, I'm a drummer, I'm good at keeping time and chilling out and hanging in the background. So they just grew. Cool, man. And is it difficult to maintain it? Um, not really. Just, you know, let it grow. You can wash it like normal. Everyone always wonders about washing. Yeah, it just yeah. takes a hell of a lot more shampoo. Okay. You know? Okay. And how long does it take to dry? Uh, like all day. Okay, yeah. cool, cool. You got to do it like 7 a.m. if you're going to wash your hair. You know? <laughs> and tell me your beard. Are you going to grow a beard as well? Uh, no, like the, beard, the beard's just like pre, like like post-tour beard, you know? Post-tour <laughs> beard. I haven't, I haven't shaved, <laughs> I haven't shaved since, since I got home, so yeah. Cool, man. Right. So, uh, how did you start out? Um, music. Music in general. Um I started out, I got a drum kit when I was about 13 years old um, because like one of my friends, she's uh, uncle played in Vonderboom and then I saw them at like the show and I was okay. like, fuck, I got to, I got to, you know, get into on this sort of a cool drumming action. So then, um, yeah, you know, I got a drum kit when I was 13 and then ended up going to boarding school for high school, which kind of stopped me playing so much drums except for weekends. And then after okay. that, um, kind of after school, towards the end of school, actually, I started getting into metal like a lot so then I got home mm. played every day and from there I decided to study music after school which was like really difficult and <laughs> more than what I thought it would be so then like then was like learning Latin and samba and jazz and all of that stuff okay and then um yeah I started a band and you know played and played and played and started another band and quit and played and started another band and kind of slowly ended up to where I am today like 10 yeah. years later you know? it, what's your friend's name uh, my friend uh, was uh, Rudy Rudy. Rudy okay. DeVette, yeah. Okay. Did he also play instruments? Uh, no, he didn't. Uh, we were okay. like kids at the time and it was like a New Year's party. We were like Wonderboy and played or something like that. We were like 12 or something, you know, and we were like, shit, this is cool stuff. Was that when Wonderboom just started out? No, um, no, it was like already in maybe 99 or 2000, so okay. it would have already been going so for So you're giving away your age now, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we should like uh, probably like mention that Tom is like a drummer, yeah. and yeah. and he's yeah. and he's like a like the drummer of like one of my favorite bands, Fuzzy Gish. For everyone that doesn't know him personally, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah. So um, you started out at the age of thirteen, mm. cool. playing drums, playing playing drums. Yeah. Okay. Now, when did you start with Fuzzy, or how did you get into the scene with them? And um, yeah, like after years of like playing with my metal band Awful Lawn back in the day, like I got to know William really well because he played in Architecture of Aggression, was like a death metal band, and then he's a horn player for Fuzzy. So okay. then um, I got him in to do like a couple things on the Haggis album. Um, like he kind of joined the band for a brief section on the horn, which was fun. And then, um, so then through then when Fuzzy Drummer left, I was like, hey, Willie, like, let me have an audition. And then luckily I just kicked everyone's ass, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm like, I think it's just like, I got on well with really with the guys and, um, kind of the same sort of 
visions of music, so it kind of fell into place quite nicely. Okay, well, then how did you get into metal music? Metal, yes, when I heard like like System of a Down and Slayer and stuff mm. like that, I was just like, yes, this is it, man. This is like what I need to do. So then um, I just was what I was always attracted to on drums, playing fast and playing crazy stuff. So then maybe like 2004 when I heard Lamb of God for the first time, I was like, this is it. I'm going to just try and learn how to do this shit as best as I can, you know? Cool, cool. And uh, you have another question for him? Another question? Yeah. I was like a, like, like wondering, like, a, <clears throat> like, how did you like like end up like playing like like in fuzzy because like like fuzzy Kish like like is like a bit different than like most punk bands like mm. they have like the like the like the horn thing going and like scar like scar reggae thing you know like yeah fuzzy is like um it's not like so traditionally scar whether it's like jazzy mm-hmm. or like super like it's got like this rudeness and this like rawness which um like we really try and get you know even in the writing and stuff like jay like writes great songs and we just like pumped them out for the last album it's really fun. Everything's like comes from the, like a really good place and a fun mm-hmm. place. So like, we just really have the greatest time together. And like, luckily people like come to the shows and support it and love oh. it. You know, it's like the shows are crazy. It seems like I've been there. Like, believe me, it's, yeah. it's, it's amazing. <laughs> it sounds like um, it's just falling into place quite nicely. The guys have done a lot of work. I mean, they've been going for eighteen years. Mm. I joined like four years ago. Okay. So I think like two years will be twenty, and then that we'll have a big deal for that. You know, but like it's been a long time for them. Like, grafting. how many albums? Like a have you done with them? Uh, I did, I've done one. They've done, I think, five full lengths and the greatest hits. But I've done one. And we're doing, we work on some new stuff now. Nice. We've got different ideas. The industry's changed, you know, like recording albums, like really expensive. Mm. And then you don't even play half the songs on the album ever live, yeah. you know? So for us, That's like, an interesting like, point, yeah. Yeah, we're mm. going to have a, like some fun, maybe do like a reggae EP and a, like oh, a hardcore punk EP. That's really cool. Like simplify, yeah. keep that. The, the yeah, like it's like funny, like, you just like mentioned that like uh, like lots of bands are like, taking like that approach nowadays, you mm. know, like uh, because like an album like you spend so much money and stuff, and like it's maybe like four or five singles, yeah, and like the rest is just like filler material, you know. Yeah, for sure. Well, look, some bands are really good, like Mm-mm. you know, metal bands like Soulwork and stuff. They can release twenty songs, oh, to a double album, mm. and then like it's all killer. Every single one, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like they can play that whole album live, and then people are gonna go. But for us, people want to hear Fat Scott beating, and they want to hear like the, mostly the old stuff because <laughs> they grew up listening to that. So like, Mozambique. yeah, <laughs> like they want to hear that. So. We're when I said it's like already like an hour and a half, we've only ever played six al- songs of the new album together, you know, and we've recorded 15. It's like, mm. it would be cool to play more, but it's just doesn't, it's hard to bring them into the set, you know, and um, doing future stuff. It's like, maybe we should mess around with songs we've got, do them a different way, like have fun. You know, there's no rules with Fuzzy, which is the beauty because like we, they are the label you know yeah and we make it we can do whatever we want everything we own everything we like so every decision we make every t-shirt we design is us so it's like it's cool you know no one to answer to so we can do silly things and get away with it except (laughs) malcolm malcolm's the one to answer to he keeps everything straight and line um when did you graduate high school High school of 2004. 2004, okay. And after school, you? I studied um, at, uh, um, I think it's, then it was Allenby campus and then changed to Damlin in Bramley. There was like a music course there. There was okay. cool teachers at the time, like Dio Santos and drums and Graham Curry and bass. And okay. It was a pretty cool course. Like. So you only studied music? Yeah. Okay. And no, drumming. studied 
Drum, drumming, yeah. sorry, drumming. Okay. And when did you become, when did you start to realize, okay, well, I can actually play double bass now? When did you? Oh, like I could do that before I could play swing. Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> I could play like fast and heavy and like Slayer songs before I could play like Jeez. Bossa Nova, you know? Okay. So like it was always harder for me to go into like the, the more formulated, like playing like groovy stuff than it was to just like play like a Slayer track. Okay, <laughs> cool, cool. Now, Tom, you are also an engineer. Right, recording engineer. Uh, uh, yeah, like a but in like one that's starting to get into it. Yeah, <laughs> it's, I always find it hard to call myself that. But I'm a dude who's hell of a interested in recording. Okay, yeah. that's awesome, man. Now, <clears throat> you guys record with uh, JP as well, right? From B Sharp. Yeah, like I'm um, actually with a couple of my bands, Haggis and Haggis and Bong, and with um, Fuzzy's done all their music mm. at um, JP over the years. And I've done previous metal projects. I've also recorded with him, like okay. worked with him a lot, uh, like a lot of times there. So, so the Haggis albums. Mm. Uh, did, how, many, how many albums did you do with him? Uh, we just did one album with him. Just one. Yeah, okay. our previous album. Okay, cool. And then the fuzzy stuff. Did you record? The I did the last album him? with him, and then they've done the last five albums oh, with really? him as well. So, like, he's always been a part of like the fuzzy sound yeah. as much as anyone okay. else, you know. And what's it like to work with JP? JP's cool, man. Like he's taught me like so much about like playing and like music and because songwriting like a, and like, like he's like a, a crazy player for yeah. people that don't know. Like like he's like yeah. crazy guitar player. Mm. And he's yeah. like, um, I mean, you learn a lot sitting around in studio. You know, if you're paying mm. attention, it's kind of what got me into recording. Is like sitting in scene and being like, oh, okay, well, I can actually do this. You know. And then you think mm. you can do it pretty well, and then like you listen to a mix, you're like, it's a fuck, I suck, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so then like um, you work a bit hard and you learn a bit more, you know. Okay. But um, JP's drums were always killer, like to mm -hmm. know that you can get in there, play drums, and you hear it back, and like, you're like, whoa, this is cool, you know. Yeah. Like everything I'd done before yeah. that really I, sucked. I, I really like remember like uh, like uh, JP Stefani, like the guy we're talking about. Mm. Um, he did like the very first like f like Four Police Cut EP. Mm. I remember like like that one song like Youngwood, but like that drums are so punk. They just like yeah. grab you out of the speaker and just like. But he's done like, you know, like just the starting records and for like most big bands in the country, you know, Polytones, Wonderboom, Fukuoka, mm -hmm. um, Hurvals, and probably every other band. Aking, in, yeah. Yeah. Aking, Aking yeah. yeah, like he did like the first first yeah. album from Kakatala did their first two albums as yeah. well I think. everyone under the sun is pretty mm. much Better in this country <laughs> and you know what's the amazing part for me is when you walk into Drapey's room you expect to find all this high end gear you know, yeah. like this new preamps and stuff and um, I went there once to his studio and the it was the first time that I actually met him so I walked into the studio and I was like okay what's your secret man where's your gear mm. so I had a look at it, he had a Behringer B1 on the floor, Tom, and the Tom's like, what? Mm. <laughs> what? And then I had a look at his preamps, and it was like these ART2 preamps. It's like the cheapest preamps you can find. And um, he used a Windows machine. I, I think the the, the, the IW uses is, is Somplitude. Uh, Somplitude. Oh, wow. Yeah. And like, yeah, this guy goes... <laughs> Against almost every rule that yeah. I've been taught, mm. and it gets this freaking killer sound. And this stuff sounds yeah. amazing. <clears throat> Definitely, amazing. man. I Definitely. think it's just uh, focusing on the right things, you know, people playing their parts, stuff being in tune, mm. um, people knowing what's going on, like um, tuning intonation, like setting up, he sets up everyone's guitar before they go. Like, Definitely. it's like he's focused on the right things, whereas, like, everything that really matters is before the mic and then once you get that going like mm. once that's right everything can only fall into place you know did JP step in as a producer or how did you just record you um, with Fuzzy like Malcolm kind of produces everything mm -hmm. so he's like the executive producer so we okay. all kind of just do our thing and make it as punk as we can and then he comes in he's like okay 
tighten this, this, that, and polish and stuff. You know, he's okay. got a really good ear for that. He mm-hmm. works in advertising. He knows what he's doing. You know. Okay. And um, like with the, the Haggis stuff, we just like pretty much recorded it. I mean, it's recording us is pretty weird because it's like there's no rules it's bagpipes so like you just got to find the balance of where metal band sits with the bagpipes okay you know but um kind of it was really easy to record with him like the album came out really good so and did he did he do the recording and mixing yeah recording and mixing okay and he's, uh, as far as i understand he sends his stuff to rogan for more yeah we mastered i think every band i've been that's had an outside mastering engineer it's always been rogan hmm. okay Like okay. uh, we've never like it's, we've been happy with everything, so yeah, it's like yeah. cool, you know. And tell us how how did Haggis start Haggis and Bong. Um, just like you know, friends in university, and then like get drunk with them one night, and you at a party, and one dude's playing bagpipes, like hey, let's start a band kind of thing, okay. and then like um, we we're like cool, so we jammed some tracks together. And then it was St. Patrick's Day, so we went to Hatfield Square. <laughs> we just set up on the side of the road, okay, and we like jammed, and we like got invited into every club and got beer for free and partied up awesome, eh? so we're like sweet this could be a thing you know so, so how did you get your electric guitars to play that loud next to the side of the road oh no no then it was just me and a bagpiper it was only two guys okay. and then like we slowly added a third bagpiper dominic and then we we did the first album with like those three and then like eventually like maybe a year later we had a bass player and then we got a like a horn player and we took that of that away and then we got a guitar player it was like it's slowly been a journey of adding more and more and more people to the like so the puzzle. How, how, how don't you meet the, the other band members um just guys in the scene you know that we've gotten on with and that you always connect with certain people mm. you know um zav like was in the pretoria scene with us when he joined on bass and then like we just kind of stole him as quickly as we could because he's so good you know okay and then um dave we actually got booked to play a show at monte casino And they booked him as an outside session guitarist because mm. we didn't know we were playing the track with guitars as well. So then, like, he could nail it. So we're like, oh, fuck. It's so good. Just, like, please come and play in the band, you know? Cool, and then he had, like, a week to learn all the guitar parts Jeez. for the album and go, go and record it. And like, after that, we're like, dude, you got, you got to stay, man. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, now, another question that I've got is, um, seeing that, that you're also very um, enthusiastic about recording, mm. um, you... You're the type of guy that's not very, uh, that doesn't faff a lot with, with expensive gear and stuff, mm. right? So how do you approach recording? Um, recording generally like, you know, get the songs pretty much as good as they can be. And even though, you know, most guys say that a lot of the time you're not really in the position to do that because like you're recording a friend and they want to come in in one day and bash everything out. And then it's just like, research as much as you can and know what's going to work like you know on drums you can pretty much use like a, a space pair overheads you know you're going to mark everything up close so you just try and get as little bleed as you can and then just go and get the guy to play tight if he's not playing tight enough get the decision put him on the electric kits and like make that happen try and make things happen quickly and make people feel good about stuff mm. you know like that's a good point yeah and push things along in studio and make things happen so that people seem excited and then like once the song starts to come together you know then like people feel happier and guitar players might play a part better you know so um i'm just like get the stuff done you know people don't will care more about a song if they've actually heard the song and they can complain if you're not recording your music like and no one's hearing it you know shit you're never going to be heard by anyone you know mm. that at least if it's a shit song it's a song that's out there yeah, or shit yeah. recording it's a recording that's out there kind of thing you know okay 
And then I've had some shocking ones in my life, like that I've played on, and they're pretty much the ones that have sold the most out of everything I've ever okay. done. Crazy, <laughs> fuzzy or haggis? Even haggis. Like our okay. first album doesn't sound great, but it's sold a shitload of copies. You know. Okay, and um, what advice would you give to musicians if they are looking at recording? Since since that since we're seeing that that you know you've recorded mm. with other engineers, and what advice would you give to, to them? Practice for like another three months before you go into studio <laughs> <laughs> so that everyone knows a song and teach each other the tracks and also understand the, the, the genre that you're recording. Like if you're going to record blues or rock, you can do something very live, hmm. you know, um, and you can like have maybe guys in the same room and like get some, you know, energy and like air in there and the mics and stuff. But like if you're recording metal, you can, you know, you want everything as close as possible and as tight as possible hmm. and you're going to be like di the guitars and you're going to be like you know, reamping later and it's very methodical because you're recording something that one has to sound inhuman. So mm -hmm. you've got to like get that from the start. You can't just jam everything live and be like, cool, now I want to sound like Cannibal Corpse or, yeah, yeah. you know, like um, Periphery or something. You're like those guys are recording like super methodically and super like, they, first of all, they're amazing players. Mm -hmm. So like you can't take that away, but they're still going out of their way to make sure that everything's perfect and everything's in tune and stuff. So, And they take like, months as well. Right? Yeah, they yeah. take months like, and months. It's not know? something like you bash out in a day. It's mm. something you take months. Do you think, do you think it'll take months? Do you think it's a budget thing? It is definitely a budget thing. I mean, I know from our bands, we spent like 50 grand with Haggis on our last album. And that was like just incomprehensible to us when we were like um, even five, six years ago, you know? Mm. That, but... Um, we and like on the latest album we had a close to a similar budget but we wanted to try something different so we stretched the budget to different places going to different studios doing sort of things so like that's like after pushing and selling albums for like you know three years mm. the sort of cd sales return that you kind of gonna get you know mm. and that's a, like us because we're lucky enough to play like strange gigs to different crowds where we actually sell merch so it's like very mm. budget like dependent here you know like a lot okay. of up-and-coming bands really just can't afford to spend like the sort of money that other people are spending in record on records and mm -hmm. I think that's mainly because there's no industry in South Africa okay there's no real record label yeah. for guys to be signed to you know that's interesting like, yeah like uh, because like lots of people like I'm kind of like working at <clears throat> like in my kind of like production career is like and then like they want to like come into the studio and like book a day and like do the entire album and tell them like, like don't do that like rather like buy yourself like a cheap interface yeah. work at home and like like really like work on the songs you know yeah. because like sound quality like it's not the beginning and and end all it, like it like sounds terrible like saying that like, mm. like being like an engineer and stuff but like I would rather listen to an album that's like maybe like recorded like not as well but like you can really like people like put an effort like with the songs you yeah. know um, as in like something that was like recorded like one of the best years in the country but they didn't really yeah, for spend sure. time like really like working like producing the album you know mm. yeah like often I wonder where bands get the money from you know because mm. there's not much like I mean I've never seen a record contract in my 10 years of playing you know I've like barely seen a management contract yeah that's just been like generally in South Africa you got to do everything yourself you know you got to mm -hmm. control the business yourself especially in anything underground genres I know that there is like sort of Afrikaans bands and bigger bands that are selling but even they don't seem to be selling as much with like record labels closing down and CD stores mm -hmm. not really selling stuff you know mm -hmm. it's mostly about gaming these days yeah but yeah. like a, even like a 
like the whole like police car like bands like the whole like as far as I understand like independent mm. like the aching from like all like, like manage themselves yeah. but they like like they take it like like really like like seriously you know? yeah. like mm. everything like very they professional run business. Yeah. Uh, it's like a, like a 9 to 5 job you know yeah, yeah. for sure but you have to like i mean in a band you always got to have that um one guy who's kind of owns the band and runs everything you know mm-hmm. like if you don't have the people one or two guys that are driven and making everything happen it's not really going to happen even though other guys still have to play their part mm-hmm. you need like a central sort of driving course, force yeah. in everything you know yeah sorry man i've i've just jumping around all a bit. these i've got all these topics or questions in my head now so um <clears throat> you joined we spoke about this earlier yeah you mm. joined um uh fuzzy No, no, no. Uh, Bo- is it Borgasm? Borgasm, Bor- yeah. Borgasm, mm-hmm. there we go. So you joined them for a tour in Russia. Yeah. And you, you spoke to us and you said the, how the scene is different there. So just... Um, yeah, like there, look, we didn't really get to meet bands very much, but like at every... Sh- the shows that we... A couple of the bigger shows we played in the city, like the venues are like controlled by like bikers. They're owned by bikers. So like it's like these really awesome kitted out venues, six stages, sound is amazing. Whoa. And then like you have the show and then after like at 11 o'clock everyone leaves and then there's like another party for the biker club, you know? Mm. They have their <laughs> own they have their own party but they like the infrastructure is really good and then there's like guys at like maybe smaller labels at the shows selling like CDs, tapes, um vinyls, t-shirts and like all of that sort of thing. Um it seems like way more efficient there at least the touring circuit you know mm. like um just the standard venues you know like obviously here we do have baseline you know yeah. but like it's, you don't see many shows happening at baseline mm. even you know it's like pubs and clubs so like they they sort of venues seem quite like sorted but then again they've also got that really underground thing we played one or two like strange dodgy shows of like <laughs> punk rock <laughs> like but there was like those were also cool um It's really it's fun there. It's actually very similar to South Africa in terms of like how it is, you know, like the yeah. lifestyle. Just yeah. people, no one speaks English there, which makes things difficult. <laughs> But okay. the, the shows were cool and like the people were really cool. The bands were really good, just a lot like heavier. I've always found South African bands, when ever there's like an international touring band coming here, they you think that they're so heavy on their CD and then you watch a South African band open for them and you're like, geez, South African bands yeah, are like always like so much heavier, <laughs> so much faster, you know? And then, um, but that's what I felt there as well. Like the bands are so heavy and so intense, you know, okay. like um, maybe they just also live in a hard life there, you know? Yeah. You got, yeah. got, <laughs> got the real death metal down in them. Death metal lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you also mentioned you you, you met some guys. Uh, that I think they play in a metal band. And we'll, yeah, what, what, what the one local do? band we played with, like, um, they all work for the museum and they, like, go to the World War st- old sites and they dig up, like, the, the bodies of all this, like, the fallen soldiers and, like, you know, like send them home to Germany or label them and try and identify them and stuff. I thought that was, like... Pretty, pretty, pretty metal. Like, you know, like showing you photos, like with the soldiers and skulls and gas masks. You're like, man, this is like you guys live this shit. Don't they? You know? Like other guys, just like in America, they're just singing brutal lyrics just for entertainment. You know, yeah, like no, the rest like, of the like, world, like lifestyles are very much more brutal. You know. <laughs> Now, how do you run Haggis as a business? How do you mm. get budget for a recording? Um, we we sold CDs from uh, the previous recording, like uh, okay. So, so like um, yeah, pretty much. You know, when we're playing shows and touring, we just 
we're pretty much a t-shirt store that plays music, you know. Okay. We've got like loads of t-shirts. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a cool way of looking at it. Yeah, like yeah. we've got a lot of t-shirts and um, we just try and, you know, get out there and sell as much as we can in terms of merch and have mm. as much available as we can. And then like, you know, it gives you budget to do more. It gives you budget to tour and to fly mm-hmm. and drive and rent cars and stuff. Mm. And then whatever's left after two years, you're like, okay, this is what we've got to record, you know. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, we tend to take longer between albums like than most bands, like three or four years, because um, just everyone's like so, like, out there in terms of their lives and stuff. Like, okay. it's, we, when we get together, we try and do like focused runs, and then the rest of the time we like hold back and hang out and see each other when we can and yeah, yeah. try to write new music and get that process going. You know, it's not like full-time band all the time because yeah. um, everyone's kind of got other projects and got other priorities and stuff, you know? So, so the other members, they've actually got day jobs? Um, yeah, like, some of the guys, so like um, a guitarist runs like a guitar repair and stuff. Like mm-hmm. um, he's pretty, really good with that. I mean, he's been playing guitar longer than I've been alive. <laughs> and then... Um, so like, and then um, our one bagpipe player is a teacher, um, boys high, he teaches bagpipes. Okay. And then um, everyone's kind of involved in music. Our bass player is like, a, um, what's that shit called? <laughs> yeah, he kind of uh, like a, a psychologist. Okay, so wow. Like, so he does that's like, cool. yeah, that sort of stuff. Wow. Everyone's kind of got their things. He's just had a, like a kid now and he's got another one on the way. Sure. So like he's... um. His life's like a lot more hectic than the rest of us, but like he's still there, you know, he gets yeah. around, he's like, he okay. works under high pressure. He's one of those dudes, you know? Okay. And and yourself, do you, what do you, what do I, you do? I do music and recording and playing as many gigs as I can and trying to like make okay. a little bit of money from everywhere, you know? Yeah. yeah like yeah. Um, I play, like I've done a session drumming gigs. I've played like a lot of shows with my bands. I'll fill in for my friends' bands if they need tours. Mm-hmm. I'll like record, I'll edit, I'll master stuff, or whatever mm-hmm. needs to be done. You know, I'll do soundage, I'll carry soundage. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like in South Africa, you can't just decide, okay, I'm, I'm only going to be a recording engineer, mm. mixing engineer. You've, you've got to you do a like lot a, of stuff. Mm. Diversify. Yeah. If, yeah. if you're able to like mm. buy food. <laughs> and like also, you know, eventually you, you meet like a lot of guys who are in the same sort of place as you and they're also trying really hard to make it and then like, there's like, a lot less guys like that than there are guys who are into music, you know? So then, like, you start to realize that, you know, the more you make friends with people, the more opportunities you're going to have, you know? Oh, yeah, like, definitely. people only want to work with their friends. Like, they have to know you well enough. If they need a drummer, you've got to be like, oh, I need Tom to play drums. Mm-hmm. You know, he's the first guy I'm going to call. So you've got to have, like, the go-to guy, that yeah. sort of thing happening with as many people as you can. You've got to, like, let people know that you're reliable and, like, you'll do the job and, yeah. you know, you, you're not going to expect to join their band afterwards as well, you know? Mm. Like, um, and that you can just do do what you told or do your job when they need it, you know? Yeah. And yeah. that, like, that's kind of helped me out a lot, like... There's, like, a, like a universal thing, like, mm. like, people, like, regard, like, in most industries, but, like, most of the times, like, I find, like, people, like, disregard, like, in the music industry, and they mm. go, like, you know, like, why wouldn't you want to be professional as a musician, you yeah. know, like, like, people have, like, like, the stereotypes about, like, if you're, like, a musician, like, it's, like, like this laid-back lifestyle, yeah, actually, yeah. like, like, like you have to, like, approach it like a business, and yeah. you, like, 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 yeah. sell yourself, like, professionally, you're, like, this is, like, my skill set, this is, like, what I do, and, like, when you hire me, this is, like, what you can expect, mm. you know? But <coughs> you can, you also can have fun, I mean, like, you know, as you can have as much fun as you want, as long as you're serious <laughs> when it comes to the serious time. Yeah, you know? definitely. Like, um, there's nothing worse than going on tour and everyone's like sitting around, like bored, bored and moaning and groaning. You know, like you want to have a great time. 
But um, you want to be able to know that like dudes are not going to get so drunk that they're not going to be able to play. <laughs> you know, like you don't want to hire a session drummer that's going to do that. You know, yeah. like so. Um, and what you don't want a dude who's going to rock up five minutes before the show. You know, you yeah. want like, and even in studio, you know, if you're hiring someone to record the stuff, you want to know that they they're going to you know give it what they're oh, all sort of thing. Yeah, you know, okay, especially be on time. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, time helps. Now, um, you you. Actually, how I met you was via an email first, right? Yeah. Yeah, you sent me an email and you wanted to record the drums at Downtown Studios. Yeah, because um, I saw another band from Boxburg that I played a show with recorded somewhere rad. I was like, who the, who did they record to you? How do I get <laughs> in that place? You know? oh, I think that was the gimmick pigs, right? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, with them. So why... why if 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 you've got your own your own space, right? Yeah. Where you record all of your drums. Why would you, as an engineer, go out and record drums? Let's say, for instance, at downtown. Why would you want to go and do that? For experience, like for like the the experience of it, I like spend my whole life here every day, and like I get pretty bored and sick of it sometimes. I feel like I'm locked in yeah. a cabin forever, you know. Yeah. So like for my own personal project, it's like. Man, how do I have fun? Like, okay. how do I record this somewhere where it's like going to be a bit out of the out of the box and something where I like have a good time and be under pressure? Would you say you 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 your creativity or if I can say it like that, get, gets influenced when you? Yeah, definitely. Like, especially when you go to places that are like, I'm never going to be able to afford to build. You know, mm-hmm. okay. like when you can go there and you can be like, shit, like this is cool, man. This is like where you know huge like dudes like years back have recorded like from YouTube oh, yes, you know, oh, all yeah. the way to like yeah. the Lion King stuff you're like at Bop you're like wow man there's like history in these like walls and stuff and mm. it's just like gives you a bit of sense of awe so when you're playing you're like you have a, a little bit more fun than like Mm-mm-mm. playing in the same place you practice every day you okay. know yeah. Yeah. like uh, I don't know like if you guys like saw like the latest like Dave like Dave Grohl documentary like oh, yeah. Like, yeah for Sonic sure Highways, and, like, yeah. Made, like did the album like in like 12 different studios like across the country and like go to mm. the studio and like really like like experience like the history of like mm. like the people that have like made music there you know it's like yeah. all like the yeah. famous people like in the 70s and the 60s that like made their records there and, like, yeah for like, sure like, like they like they look like so inspired you know like yeah. cool and, like 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 record there and 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 like there was like this like long quote like read on facebook or something about like how like where like the like the literal space like you record like has such like a big influence on like like your like creativity mm. and like like how it like ends up being you know like and that, uh, like I really think like like if you're like in the same studio every single day like like it kind of gets kind of boring and mundane you know yeah, like, yeah. definitely yeah. Yeah. but actually uh, I've noticed that even with just like lately we decided to do a fuzzy track and record it at band practice and I just took like um my setup and actually Jay's also got Logic so we just went into his preamps and we just recorded the drums in there and then we recorded everything we recorded some stuff here but that drum sound sounds way better to me than even some of the stuff I've done here and even some of the stuff I've done like in cool studios Mm -hmm. because it's like so live and like punk rock sounding. It sounds like it just wants to like burst out the speakers. It's cool, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So like, it's definitely like the place makes a difference, but just that personal thing of wanting, now that I'm into audio engineering, I want to see cool stuff, you know? You want to see like studios and most studios I've ever recorded at are home studios. Like guys... that's how it pretty much rolls in South Africa if you're in a metal band, you know, yeah, you go yeah. into someone's little flat in the back and <laughs> record some stuff. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> like, like, actually, like, 
like see like the hardware like the plugins are based on mm. like the first time like i saw like 1176 like, oh that's so cool looks just like the plugin yeah, you know? like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that is rad eh? and consoles man who doesn't want to see consoles oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what was your what your, your first thoughts when you when you walked into downtown like um I wish I lived in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, man. Jeez, like, like um, just in, yeah, the 80s was a good time for stuff all around, I suppose. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Jeez, man. And I suppose, you know, with, with this new era, it's it's opening up spaces for people. It's not actually supposed to be in the music industry. Yeah. You know, like, every second guy now is a recording studio, studio. Yeah. just go yeah. to the studio yeah but, but also <laughs> i mean in the studio look at companies like uber you know it's like the biggest taxi service in the world they mm-hmm. don't own a single car you know it's like there's all these airbnb that it's like the biggest accommodation hotel yeah, thing yeah, yeah, they yeah. don't mm. own a single, b- single building you know so like yeah. it's crazy. you don't you got to be smart these days and like yeah, yeah. Th- everything's changing it's oh, not just yeah. the music industry was the first thing to be hit you know yeah yeah well, and now like sense, every man. single industry in the world is like yeah. changing drastically so you got to be smart and kind of find your place no matter yeah. what you're doing yeah that's crazy because like uh, like like lots of people like like you have like the dire guys like they only work on consoles and tape or consoles mm. and pro tools rigs and like you no know, like in the boxes for people in like in the rap industry you know like it's not really cool mm. and then like uh, like uh who's the guy that like did like the latest like metallica record like uh like the big like big guy with the beard and Rubens. andrew shapes so like uh andrew shapes or oh, like like he like engineers for like like regrouping but like andrew shapes like did like a podcast the other day and and he's like like I have like these two Neve consoles standing at home, but like the first, like the previous five records that mixed like was all in the box mm. on a plane to like somewhere like doing like a you know it's crazy like like someone like like one of like the brand name mixers in the world, just like moving like back into the box because like that's like what it needs to do to like be able to like compete with people that wants like five like revisions done you know, yeah. Like, yeah. You know like, yeah. especially like in the pop industry you know because like he mixes like Jay Z and like Beyonce even mm. Mm. and like those people go like listen here. Um, like we want like these five changes done and you haven't like until like 11 to do yeah. it you know and then like like to like like recall like an entire analog console would just be yes. like dude, but there's still like um there's still space for the guys running just analog and st- just like tape you know like i know if i had the budget i would go to a studio where i'm recording everything to tape and committing you mm. know like yeah, i know definitely. like especially when you come to mixing even from personal experience you want to have committed as much as you can along the way like if you've got everything like that you can start from zero generally you just confuse yourself and make <laughs> everything forever, a mess yeah. you know like you just wreck all the work you've done so like and i think like the, the, the easier like you can commit when recording two, the better final mix number three yeah. final yeah. mix number four yeah. final mix number five <laughs> yeah and then you like new drum mix you know, like, <laughs> go like through that a hundred times no like it's much I, I like the idea of still like but it's so expensive you know like it's easy to have you know, some preamps at home and have like treat your room like with a bit of DIY soundproofing and mm-hmm. like spend a day a track instead of having to go like into a studio and do like eight tracks a day, you know? Cool. You can get the same result with, that's the thing about at home recording is you like, you have to do that, spend time, like focus on what you can control. Exactly. You know, you don't, you don't have that extra gear to add some magic and you know, like spice things up and hitting the tape hard to give you saturation <laughs> and stuff. So like you don't have that. So you can just focus on playing like well, making sure your instrument's in tune, your drum heads mm. are in tune and like focus on that. And then, you know, take it one song a day, be patient, edit it, make sure it's sounding amazing. And then it's going to be cool, you know, like it, it's a different kind of workflow mm-hmm. kind of depending on the, the sort of studio you're in. I've just got another question here. So um, when you're recording 
you you work a lot with metal bands, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. So <clears throat> this metal scene is is very um, vague for a lot of people, even mm. even myself, right? So if you're recording the vocals, do you record harmonies of the the growling? Um, Can you, you do that? Is, yeah. is it even possible? No, no, definitely. Like I'll at least record, say, like on a verse, I'll record. Um, like a main vocal line, then I'll record a double exactly the same. Okay. Like exactly like, mm. and I'll do that for all verses. In choruses, I'll do like a main line double and a second double, so they can be panned. Okay. You know, to give like a like with, without using delay, it'll give yeah. you that sort of stereo. Massive, yeah. Yeah, okay. and then like I'll generally in the choruses I'll do um, maybe two different kind of screams underwards, like a high and even a low. Oh, okay. And then like so, it's all it's the same as you would approach vocals with harmonies and stuff, mm. and like mm -hmm. just record as many layers as tight as you can and blend okay. them and make, try and make it sound as evil as possible, you know? <laughs> Would you say metal fans are more loyal? Yeah, if you if you do well, you know, like, um, the local scene seems strange because, I mean, a lot of people do into metal playing bands, so it can be like, you know, you hear someone's record, you're like, oh, man, it sounds so good, but fuck those guys. <laughs> 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 you know? So, like, it's a, it's a bit strange here, but, like, at the end of the day, bands that are cool buy each other's albums and, like, mm. support each other because you're going to end up playing lots of shows with them. And, like, yeah, yeah. over the years, you're like, who knows, your bands are going to probably break up and you'll end up joining another band together, yeah. you know, <laughs> with other dudes and, the, like, the thing. So, um, but ge generally, like, we've had a lot of support with Haggis, which has been great, like, not just from metal fans, but with everyone, because maybe we don't have vocals, but, like, yeah. we've sold quite a few records, which has been great, which allowed us to carry on, you know? Yeah. If we didn't do yeah. that, we wouldn't be making records anymore. So um, we've had a lot of support. And the bands that I like, yes, I buy their album and pre-order as soon as they come out, you yeah. know? Okay. Like, That's pretty cool. As soon as, like, I know that stuff's out, I'm going to pre-order that on iTunes and, like, waiting you know yeah, counting yeah. down the days <laughs> <laughs> have you ever tried crowdfunding or don't you think it'll take off i've thought about it um we, i've set up a profile even but like it's like one of those things where you have to be able to deliver on your promises exactly mm. then mm -hmm. you know and then like if like guys in the band are like busy with serious shit in their lives and families and stuff you can't yeah. always be exactly to that deadline yeah yeah you know like especially in a project like ours so i think i would love to do it maybe for like a newer project you know but um maybe we'll see after the next record cycle or how things go you yeah, know yeah. Mm -hmm. it definitely seems to be the way things are moving no like like a, like a in Australia, like every single person, but mm. like, a, like, like, because, like, there is like a different, like, the society there, like, they like live online. Mm. So, like, like for them, like, it isn't like a strange concept, you know, like, like giving money mm. on the internet. We like in South Africa, like, like, I kind of find like people are not like conservative, but like that kind of like mm. whole mindset of like the whole. Like, like, I would do it for for bands that I'm into and projects I, I dug, you know, like I have done it for one or two, but I just find like um. You know, locally, maybe there isn't enough support of, like, individual bands in the scene. I mean, if you got to raise 50 grand or 60 grand, I don't know if you, how you're going to do that through crowdfunding, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, I don't, for a metal band, I don't really see that being a viable thing here yet. But yet, it, yeah. It, that's if you, if you can, like, tour and tour and tour and sell a post load of T-shirts, <laughs> you got more chance, yeah, you know, yeah. like, if you, um, at the moment. Mm. Like so, an old school way of doing stuff, yeah. Yeah, so, so what do you think the South African music industry needs at, at this time to improve? Um, just more people taking it seriously and doing it. Like, mm. It's only going to get better once bands start doing better, you know, like mm. um, touring overseas and working. And once people realize that there's like 
bands that are making money and getting into it, it'll definitely work. I mean, there are some bands, there's like this one band from PE, Volvedenio or something, they're like a death metal slam band. They mm. signed to an American label and like they're selling a lot of stuff online, you know, mm -hmm. okay. and like they're doing pretty well and they, they've barely played shows, you know, it's just a project, internet project of guys throughout oh. the country. So it's like, you can do it if like you do it, you know, it's just enough people working together okay. instead of like, Everyone doing their own here, thing, you know. Here, pocket there, yeah. Do you think Swedish metal bands are more brutal? No, I just think they. <laughs> the Swedish people are just too good, man. <laughs> Swedish people shouldn't be allowed to do music anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like they set the bar too high. Like every band from Sweden is like insanely good. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what it is. We've got like, most like, of them coming here next year. Like a lot of the Swedish scene is coming here for Witchfest, which is like can't wait for. And I nice. love those. I've loved those bands for ten years. And Norway, Norway. No, I think like, Norway is more brutal. No, no, there it's like it's like um, they got a lot of, like black metal scene there, mm. and then like um, gets into like Sweden's got like a very mixed sort of thing, mm. and like a bigger industry than most. Like it's just the kind of bands that come from those countries that um, are darker and like the brutal bands generally come from America these days. Eh? It's like slam and like mm. death death metal stuff and uh, death core and it's yeah. like the, it's very like. Well, everyone's got their sound. I think that's the thing. South Africa's never really had a ba band that's like kind of defined the sound, you know. Even for, like for metal, yeah. Like mm. like um, we were on tour with these Brazilian guys, and they were saying like, you know, like ten, fifteen years ago, every band in Brazil sounded like Sepultura because mm -hmm. Sepultura made it, oh, you know. Yeah. And uh, like Christians, like they're like a death metal band, and uh, every band now is wants to sound like them, like because mm. they've made it, you know. It's mm. like blasty. So like the scene is definitely influenced by local bands who do go on to do something and there's like mm -hmm. there hasn't been many south african bands that have kind of lasted long in the metal scene especially even the ones that have like groin churn have toured and like voice of destruction they're not still playing mm -hmm. you know so like a lot of younger guys don't even know about them yeah, yeah you know but um they have toured with bands like cannibal corpse and big bands around okay. europe and stuff and played festivals and played wacken and stuff and so um i don't think there's like People tend to get over metal and then go and try and to get into a bigger rock career here, I suppose, you know. So why do you think the metal industry isn't as big as the South Africans industry in South Africa? Um, I just think it's a, it's a very niche market here, you know. Like worldwide, it's insanely big, mm. you know. Like, But yeah, it's like, it's very niche. We've got a, a very kind of divided country in terms of culture. Mm -mm. And like, like the metal culture even is frowned upon even by like most sensible people, you know? Yeah. So like, I don't know, it's, I don't expect it to be a cool thing here, but it's as big as it can be. Mm, I always okay. find like, when, no matter where you go in the world, like stuff is always divided according to what, like the amount of people can like it, you know? Like you're only going to get like 5% of the people who are like in a rock scene are going to like metal, you know? Yeah, so it yeah. kind of works out demographically or something mm -hmm. like that, you know? Like even if you go to Europe, there's just, a lot more people living in cities, so there's going to be a lot more people into the metal vibe, mm -hmm. you know. It was like a cool, like, like a like just flow, like we started, like you mentioned, and I was like reading like like online, like a like the metal scene, like in Africa, like in Africa, Africa is really like like kicking off, you know, mm -hmm. like like there's like this heavy metal scene going on in in like Botswana and stuff, like yeah. these guys dressing up in leather and riding their bikes and listening to Judas Priest and stuff, <laughs> you know, and it's like Dude, it's like, cool, yeah, I've awesome. played, played like shows in Botswana and uh, Mozambique, and those are like. Some of the coolest shows I've ever played in my life. Eh? Like, 
big crowds, bigger shows than Joburg, you know. Crazy. Which is cool. <laughs> and the guys really appreciate it because they know you're traveling to yeah, go there. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's just about really getting the circuit going. If you could get... And the problem with bands coming here is just so much money, you know, like as invest like initial investment for people to make you know to mm -hmm. bring a band and do the, the the circuit but i think if a couple bands did it on a like a more small scale where they kind of got themselves you know, they could they could definitely make their money back you know it's but it's just that risk that people aren't really willing like to take you know where overseas you'll get like a kind of deposit and then you know mm -hmm. things are going to might not work out but they you've at least got more chance of going to africa than like the yeah. end of the world and like risking everything you know like Russia seemed crazy to us, but I mean, imagine what South Africa seems like <laughs> to other people. people <laughs> yeah. Europe, you know? um, what are some of the pitfalls or advice you can give to uh, bands that you know um, are going to start playing at at venues? Um, yeah, get your sound as quickly as you can. Like you know, I know like invest in the right gear and try and like play as much as you can and make as many friends as you can with other guys in other bands. Like, mm. often, like, you know, bands don't really get together and hang out and stuff, but, like, you know, at the end of the day, like, you're going to see those dudes a lot, you know? Like, okay. like some of my, like, best friends now are guys that, like, I've just met along the way, you know? Okay. And you don't see them all the time, but, like, when you do see them, it's like, hey, man. It's like, you know, scene, yeah. so amped. I, I heard a lot of stories about these door deals and... um how people don't like it. So, mm. so if if you if you're playing a show, right? What type of um, money should you ask the venue? What type of of payment should you expect from the venue? And you know th those types of deals. But what different deals do you get? Oh, pretty much like we most clubs we play at. You would like luckily here you get the club for free. You know, in terms of hire, mm -hmm. and then you take the door and they take the bar. You know. Okay. And like. And so, so how does that work out? Well, I mean, it works out for us sometimes pretty well, you know, like if we could put 500 people through the door, okay, it's cool, you know, um, mm. if we can, um, but if it's, I see like with younger bands, you got to have more bands on the lineup, you know, then you got to mm -hmm. have like six or seven bands, but that's where like this whole thing of like, you got to play everything you can get until you've actually got a fan base mm. and then you can go to a venue and make demands, you know, but if yeah. you can't put four or 500 people in a club, mm. then yeah. like... It's, it's you, like you can't a, ask them for a ten thousand rand guarantee, yeah. you know. Like, but if if you can, if you know that you guaranteed to make so much, then you can ask for guarantees. Mm. But until then, you're better off taking doors and like splitting it and working with other bands and being like, okay, guys, if we do us three, we do a tour, we split what's left at the end, you know. Okay. Like, mm. okay, you, you kind of got to connect with other bands and work together instead of just expecting some promoter who's also just getting in the venue booking a bunch of bands, mm. doing all the advertising, and then you can't expect to get money if you've not really done anything into the show, you know, yeah, in South yeah. Africa. It's kind of very much like that sort of scene, mm. you know? Yeah, because I did Live Sound for, for a band, and they told me that uh, they also had this door deal. Mm. And when they got, I think the club was in Poch, when they got to the club, there was only like three people that rocked up because... Uh, the venue didn't do any advertising, you know, the posters, mm. you know, it was just, just lying on, on the counter there. Mm. So, um, that happens like yeah. more than you think it happens. That sucks, man. And then they, they paid for their fuel there, they had to pay for their accommodation, and you only get three people rocking up for your show. Yeah. That dude, sucks, eh? That sucks <laughs> so bad. <laughs> dude, like, the only time you, like, I mean, 
we've ever really gotten guarantees sort of stuff is like festivals mm-hmm. and even then they'll like cut you down as low as you can go you know yeah geez but like especially the big ones yeah no, they're gonna make their money and like if you're not gonna play then i'll just put another band on that will more willing to play yeah you know? yeah like, <laughs> so it's it's but um you got to start like you know i've i've been there from like being like that kid walking around with flyers mm. like 17 years old like come to my show like, like watch shitty metal bands that no one likes <laughs> to watch you know all the way through to like now it's like you've got to do all of that you know otherwise like people you're not going to know when it becomes time to know what to do you know mm. it's like it all experience you all kind of it all kind of builds up as you get go along you know yeah, yeah. But okay. it, it does. It, it's hard to be a band. It's I like once you, once you hit like, especially here, once you hit like five years in a band, it becomes a lot harder, you know. Yeah, yeah. And like, dudes start, you know, like they get their degrees and then they have to start working their jobs that they got mm. bursaries for and stuff. Mm. So it's, like it becomes a lot harder. And then even more years after that, like eight years in, it's like way harder than it was when you were like just had this vision of playing one gig, you know. Yeah. 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 And, and do you, do you have a, a a band van? Band van. A band van. Uh, I've got my car that I bought. That's a van for my band. Yeah. <laughs> like um, I've, I needed a car, and I figured I'm going to have to drive around a lot with people in it. So I got yeah. a van. Yeah. Okay. And my drums. I carry my drums to like all shows. I, okay. do, I got a car that I can you, do you, that in. I know you've got a nice snake collection. Mm. Like yeah, the Black Beauties. Very yeah. awesome. Uh, that's actually <laughs> not, not mine. It's like a hijacked snake collection for one of my friends. But uh, we, he just leaves them here, which is convenient. You know? Okay. <laughs> cool. Mm. Now, um, if if your van, right, uh, could, could speak, if, if yeah. to, what what would your van say? Um, well, like we always say, like you know, she likes seven guys in her going hard. <laughs> <laughs> so like, <laughs> I think that like that kind of explains what she would say, you know. <laughs> <laughs> We've done a lot of touring. I've pretty much like driven the car factor, but it's cool. It's done a lot. There's a yeah. lot of memories in there, you know. Yeah, mm. jeez, man, that's that's awesome. <laughs> I remember, yeah, we went with your van to to Bob as well. Yeah, it's pretty cool. You get this cop that pulls us over, um, right in in uh, just just King. Yeah, Muffy King. It's like he, he talks about this random stuff about people that used to come by yeah, and <laughs> Thomas is like. When he closed the windows, like, what the hell was this guy saying? <laughs> yeah, he was a hell of a nice cop, though. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Normally, like, I, I get stopped and searched for weed. <laughs> oh, it's it's the van. It's the van. Tom, thanks so much for yeah. allowing yeah. us in your space. Very cool, insightful. Right? Yeah. yeah. And thanks. It was really insightful yeah, for me. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad I just didn't talk crap. <laughs> yeah, cool. Thanks, man. Sweet. Cool. Till next time.